Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We're still in 1 Kings, and we got uh, almost through with chapter 9 last time, mm-hmm. with a lot of um, imagery of the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. uh, that we're seeing here with Solomon has built the temple, and now we're seeing kind of the after part of that. It's still talking some about the building of the temple, but it's it's finished. Yeah, it's really finished. Yeah, it's just referencing kind of things that are going on around it. And you uh, got the extra, maybe extra little things that are that are taking place in association with it, that kind of thing. Uh, it's really emphasizing how uh, beautiful everything is. Yeah. And the, I'm, I'm going to say the word, the dominion of Solomon over <laughs> yeah. the land uh-huh. and um, yes. the people, how yes. even the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Havites, Jebusites, mm-hmm. all the people around them are yeah. even uh, sending tribute right. to Solomon. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're fame and fortune is well known. Mm-hmm. And, and you were naming, of course, the people in the land right there who are mm-hmm. still in the land that they have dominion over. Right. Uh, which is kind of a, you know, again, taking us back to that whole Genesis ideal where, where whenever God's garden is in the center and then man is put in the garden and he's given dominion over, uh, mm-hmm. over the garden and uh, over the land, over the animals. And they have, you know, um, very much a exalted place in creation people do and we're kind of seeing that through solomon here so you're you're the one who just told me a while ago that word dominion that we went over last time when we were uh looking at the text we just didn't mention it was is found right there in 9 19 in the esv at the very end there that word dominion uh is found before this only once and it's back in the creation story right when the lights are uh, governing. Yes, the lights are given, are, are made to govern. Right. Yeah, back in Genesis chapter 1. So, and, so it's just, not the same word that talks about when Adam, when Adam is given. Right, it's not also. that word. But it but, does take our minds back to the creation story. I think right. there's something to say for that. Yeah. Um, so we're just our minds are And the reason we would bring that up is just that this is important themes that are going through scripture. And so when the church, we've talked about how Solomon in his reign is kind of this peaceful time and building of the dwelling place for God and mm-hmm. um, is telling us a lot about the church yes and informing us about Jesus as our temple and him and uh, him living in us and we live in him you know yep. all of that so um, I think that's important because Jesus in his presence and our dwelling in him is a picture. We have this picture that when we are dwelling with him, we're dwelling in the garden. Oh, yeah. In paradise. Yeah, that is the picture. And, and I think we are really good when we can see that, really look through this right. and go, okay, he's reestablishing the garden here. That's what he wants us to know. We, we get a chance to, to dwell with him again in paradise. That's what his whole plan is yes. moving toward and has been moving toward yeah i think that's absolutely so when i read this and i hear these descriptions of how beautiful and amazing it is Mm -hmm. it's just a reminder to me that i have access to that Mm -hmm. yes i'm living in that 
Yes. And even though my eyes, my physical eyes don't always see it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that way some days. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is absolutely and, the truth. So yeah. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you did. That's what we need to keep in mind. That's really what's happening. That's what's been happening. It's what's happening right now. Uh, very much the garden is we should see ourselves as dwelling in it as we're in his kingdom. He's reestablishing that thing back in Genesis 1 through 3. He wants to bring us back to that wonder and that right. joy that uh, people had with him in the beginning. So and we he, have life abundantly. Yeah, yeah. And so we're seeing in that typical way, that types kind of way in the Old Testament, we're watching as it's happening here. We're getting another picture. This is where we're headed. And it seems more glorious than ever. It is in a sense ever since the fall of man from the garden. We're seeing it now in a more glorious way than we've ever seen it. And it's beautiful and it's colorful. And it's, you know, we're seeing all the wonder and abundance uh, that you get from living in this garden-like atmosphere with God. And yet it's still not the ultimate that we're shooting for. Right. Although people at the time very much might have thought so. Right. And felt like, it's a picture wow, points is, to come. Yeah, still just a picture. It's still uh, pointing us towards something else. But we do have all the echoes in here. And so just to name a few of those before we get started, we've seen that heaven, uh, this takes us back to the idea in chapter one and two of Genesis that heaven and earth are finished because we've heard that word finished many times. Oh, how it got finished. The work of the temple was finished. Everything was finished. That was, we should be, okay, there's a, there's a creation echo. Uh, and then we have this idea right here that Yahweh and Adam are in the garden together. Well, that's because we've heard the description of the temple. We know how it looks. And oh, this is where they meet now. They meet here together in this place that's all adorned with all these tree images and fruit images everywhere and abundant water that flows out from it. And go, oh, they're in the garden. Okay, you know, this is very much painting the picture for me of a return to Eden. Uh, And then we have the idea in chapter 9 1 and following that God meets with Adam and says okay now here's your responsibilities in this garden this is what you've got to do and so as we read 9 and 1 and following God addresses him okay everything looks beautiful now it gets required of you to keep your heart close to me and your son you know they got to keep their heart close to me too and then all the abundance of this will continue and, uh, and God will always be here with them otherwise he will cut them off and cast them out of his sight which as we said last time chapter 9 verse 7 that word cast out is the same word used in genesis 3 23 cast out of me now no surprise that goes with what we're talking about here and now choose other gods basically yeah yeah if you choose other gods over me yeah which is what eve did Mm -hmm. it's what solomon will do yes then that is going to result in your not getting to be in my presence right. this way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and so we're hearing echoes, surely, um, of, of the whole creation story and what's happening there. And then just to add one more on top of that, what we're about to read right here, we're going to see that now, just like Adam and God met with Adam before Eve was ever created and put in the garden to talk to him about his responsibilities in the garden. Here's what you got to do, tend and keep and stay away from that tree and all of those responsibilities. You know, here's God having a talk with Solomon 
And then now here, uh, as we get toward the end of chapter nine, we're going to hear that the bride is kind of, if you will, put in the garden with him too, as she comes to her house here, which is a part of this larger complex that is the temple complex and Solomon's house and everything. It's all in this together. So he gets to live in this space and now there's a bride in this space with him. Mm -hmm. So, so let's, um, maybe start there unless you would like to uh did i miss something in there that i don't think so say? i mean okay i'm sure we could talk about it for <laughs> i'm sure we days, could. But, yeah. Uh, yeah let's continue uh we will continue let's um you know last time we we stopped at 22 really probably should have you know tried to tack one more verse on there before we ended in 23 we'll start with verse 23 and read through the end of the chapter and we'll say a little note about 23 Okay, so 9.23 to the end of the chapter. These were the chief priests who were over Solomon's work, 550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work. But Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to her own house that Solomon had built for her. Then he built the mill up. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord. So he finished the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezean-Geber, which is near Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen, who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and brought from there gold, 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. Okay, the end of this chapter then uh, is noting a few more things about how things are going in the kingdom, what's been taking place, uh, and so giving us an idea, again, that overall picture, this is the way that Solomon is is ruling his kingdom and how things are continuing to go. Now, we know that already last time we had that little tension, seemed like, between Solomon and and Hiram, because Hiram was asking him, hmm, I don't think these are that great of cities, are they, my brother? What kind of gift is this right. that you gave me, my brother? Probably said sarcastically back in 13. So before, where there was great fellowship and unity, it seemed like, abundant, wonderful unity, uh, back in chapter 5 here, hmm, seems like there's some tension now between him and Hiram. Um, Hiram's not feeling as good about this relationship as Hiram continues, before. though, it seems like, to... Yeah, to help and to be there. Uh, because of his love for David. Right, yeah. But there's, like, a tiny seed. Yes, that, seed of uh, discontent. Maybe Solomon's not treating him quite right. Yeah, yep, that's what seems to be there. And then the very fact, the other, another hint for us was that we saw that Solomon's building these store cities in verse 19. Mm-hmm. And the only other place we have that is in uh, Exodus chapter 1. Yeah. So where he's becoming more Pharaoh-like. So he's becoming more like Pharaoh. And we have, and that's we do always have, a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's always going to be a problem. Because we do have a Pharaoh mentioned here too, just a couple of verses before that in verse 16 chapter 9 verse 16 and this pharaoh is doing something he is tearing down geezer or capturing geezer burning it with fire killing the canaanites 
who lived there and giving the city to his daughter, Solomon's wife, um, as a dowry gift. And so that itself says something about the fact that, okay, there were still Canaanites living in this city that, that should have been captured long before, but wasn't. Pharaoh actually had to do what Pharaoh's doing what you would think the Israelite kings should have taken care of already and hadn't. So Pharaoh's, like you said, Solomon's becoming more Pharaoh-like, while Pharaoh, on the other hand, seems like he's doing things that should have been taken care of by Israelite kings. So is the Pharaoh more Israelitish and Solomon more Pharaohish? And that's what we're seeing in this picture. Well, I think maybe so. I think that may be exactly what we're seeing here. Um, and so we're getting hint, hint, hint that mm, even though on the surface, yes, lots of good things are still going on, and we're still seeing some real neat ways that the kingdom is being kind of showing its power and, and putting itself into the world. There are issues. There are issues that are starting to chip away at the foundation of what we have here. But Pharaoh's daughter. David's wife, or um, Solomon's wife, mm-hmm. has moved in to She's her house. She's moved into her house. She's right yeah. in the in the center of this garden complex, as it were, with them. She's right with him. She's and right in there. This Milo, we really don't know what that is, but no, it seems to be maybe a terrace. Some kind of terrace work, work. That maybe um, helps with flood control. I just I don't know. yeah, hard to say exactly. It I was, read a little bit about it, but it was still confusing to me. Seemed like there were houses there for sure. We hear about that at some point that there that that there's at least one house there, but um, maybe more than one. But if we look in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, it talks about that you know that it kind of alludes to how it somehow was tied to the defense of Jerusalem a lot oh. too. And so it gives a couple of references there to show how it was fortified for defense. It would be fortified for defense at certain points. That's what they were doing. Doesn't mean people didn't live there. People lived in the wall also, which would be... Yeah, it's, it's something this, in, it, in the wall. It's some or kind of to, defensive yeah. part of the structure um, that can also be lived in and used for maybe, you know... Which um, I would say it really saying. doesn't matter, but it does mention it to us. So maybe there's yeah. something about it that... I mean, I don't believe anything in here is for nothing. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know what exactly it's trying to tell us with the Millow, but yeah, I just had to bring that up because I didn't want to just go over that because I kept reading about the Millow and thinking, what in the world is that? So. Uh, I don't know if it means anything, but even in verse 23, which we didn't cover last time, and I, uh, just the way it talks sounds almost identical to 516 and the way it talks about the chief officers who were over the who were in charge of the people who carried on the work it uses the same phrases back mm-hmm. in 516 only it says there were 3300 right. of them over the all the work that was being done here we're down to 550 i don't know if that's supposed to mean anything to and us maybe it's or because not there's not as much work happening exactly would that be it um but so would it be a good thing? Would it be a positive thing? It's one-sixth. It's exactly one-sixth of the workers it used to be. So I don't even know uh, how how to take it exactly, but I'm just pointing out a difference. Um, so, and then this part in verse 25 mm-hmm. where Solomon, it's the thing that gets me, and I don't know how clear this is in Hebrew, uh-huh. um, but three times a year Solomon used to yeah, used offer to up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making peace offering or making offerings with it before the Lord. So he finished the house. 
Yeah. So it sounds like all the time he was building the house, he was going up and offering, doing these offerings very regularly, mm -hmm. and yeah. it was a priority. Yeah. But that used to kind of makes me kinda makes you wonder. Feel yeah. like maybe he's is not his, doing it anymore. Is his heart not with where it same, used to be? Yeah, with the with same, same dedication. Yeah, dedication. Yeah. I think so, I, I wonder know. about that very thing too. And it's hard to say. You can't. I don't no, know if you can. All of these are say, just little hints. Yeah. It's like we're in the garden and I hear a hiss every once in a while. I'm wondering, <laughs> is, is that there a, a serpent here? Wait a second. Is there a snake around here? <laughs> but yeah. he hasn't shown himself. Right. But it just feels like we're hearing something every once in a while that's a little off. Yes. And yeah. We get that note about the finishing of the house again at the end of 25. Right, so the house, awesome. so he finished the house good. That's it a good almost thing, sounds like speaking. that he was able to finish the house because he was going up and yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that is kind that of, a, it almost makes part it sound it, like yeah. that. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and it does ring true with, again, it gives us kind of a Deuteronomy 16, 16 connection, which I think it's supposed to. All the males were supposed to go up yes. three times a year for sure to make offerings to Yahweh, all the males from within Israel. And so here he's he's part of that. He's, he's dedicated he's Christ following. God is he is. Yes. Uh -huh. And so. So it sounds good on one level, but that used to does kind of get us. And I think maybe it should because we're hearing these hints all the way through here. It's a tense. So then verse 26 through 28, again, this sounds so good to read it on the surface. I think we just read it and don't think about what a big deal this is. But yeah. like you had pointed out to me, uh, building a fleet of ships. Yep. And going out into the sea is not an Israelite thing to do. This is the first time in Scripture we hear of any Israelite going out onto the sea. And they first were ever. afraid of the sea because right. it represented chaos and um, destruction, evil. Yes. They, uh, because you couldn't the see what was in there. That's right. right. It was the depths were down there and you didn't know what there was. And right? imagine and if we couldn't, we didn't have the ability that we have now to even predict storms. Right. Exactly. Didn't they know how. when it might suddenly turn on them. Yes. Um, at the mercy so of the sea. It was a scary thing. Uh, and so, yeah, it was um, very scary and they stayed away from it. But here in this new kingdom, Solomon has been given by God the ability to make ships and actually start extending the reach of this peaceful kingdom into the world. Right. The, so it was the way that his fame the fame grew yes. and it was also a way that they became more wealthy mm -hmm. Yeah, because they were trading now. Well, and that's, yes, that's exactly what we see here. That is the emphasis, seems to be the emphasis made in 26 through 28, which seems on its surface, how cool, how great, look at what God is doing mm -hmm. to provide an abundance in Jerusalem. But again, like we said last time, we have heard the gold, the word gold used yes. in this area more than we've yeah, ever heard it before. Just pay attention. We're going to keep hearing about gold. I mean, Solomon used to, you know, um, <laughs> do a lot of trade in food and so forth right. and help people feeding that way people. and feeding people and stuff. But he, he just keeps and he would get and he was getting cypress and timber in return to build the house of the Lord. He was all about the building of the house of the Lord. Well, now, um, you know, even the way it hits, it ends here in verse 28. And they brought it to King Solomon. We're talking about all this gold, gold, gold. And we have a note here that sounds like it's being 
directly brought to the king's house, like he's amassing gold, uh, and that's I think what we're supposed to get. It's another subtle hint. Now again, we have Eden tie-ins here right. because the gold comes from Ophir, which Ophir takes us back to Genesis ten twenty-nine, where it's tied to Havilah. Ophir and Havilah were brothers. So they come from very similar places, right? Near the similar places. Havilah has already been talked about as a place in Genesis 2:11, where there was much gold, where there was this great gold, this abundance of gold, and so that's tied to creation. So we have, again, the Eden story given to us in a sense right here. Well, that's in a so it's got some good overtones, but the fact that he's extending the reach of the kingdom. To bring back gold, it doesn't talk about him doing anything else here. We know that the word goes out. We're about to hear about it. She was going to hear about it. We know that the word of Yahweh is going out, but it doesn't say that here. When Solomon extends his reach over the seas, seas which often represent Gentiles in Scripture, that's how seas are talked about. So we see the the reach of the kingdom extending. The dominion, if you will, which extending over the seas, right. which sounds so good, over the Gentiles into Gentile territory. The word goes out, but what's being brought back and accumulated is more gold for Solomon. Gold, gold, gold. Which here, so there's maybe a hint. We don't know yet if this is bad. We don't know. We're just still looking at it, going, "Okay, should I be hearing something?" Like you said, is that was that a hiss? Was that a snake? Is there a snake in here? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, that that and that be... takes us though again. And I think I said this last week. Maybe read this in Deuteronomy where it's you know laying out the laws concerning Israel's kings, and it says, "And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself." excessive silver and gold yeah so that's why we can say this i mean oh yeah and we're going to be able to say it in spades in just a few just you know in our next podcast Mm -hmm. we'll be able to say that spades just going to come up abundantly clear that it's bad but here we're still getting the yeah we're just on the cusp like is this the transition time where it's going from beautiful perfect kingdom and transitioning into something that's more worldly it's becoming more when it's this beautiful, perfect, Eden-like place, mm-hmm. it's he's being God's servant mm-hmm. and caretaker mm-hmm. of all of this, and it's this exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But when it becomes, um, and this is the problem we all have, <laughs> when it becomes more than what we need to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can take over our hearts. Yes, that's when things get really distorted. Disastrous. Uh, I so. think, and, and, and so I do think. And God knows that. Yeah, that's why He's said yep. this. So I do think we are seeing that transition. I think this. I think this passage is all about that transition time, um, where we're in between. Yes, we hear some good stuff still, but then we also are like, but seems like there's hints also of some bad stuff here, and I think that's what we're given. That last half that maybe of chapter it's becoming nine, Solomon's place. I think it's all about more yeah. than God's place. Yes, exactly. Again, that just that continuous use of the word gold through here and, and different. I mean, this is what it's really coming out. Um, okay. okay, so we need to move on if we can. We'll move into chapter ten now, which is one of the most beautiful parts of the Solomon narrative in the first half of chapter ten. So ten one through fourteen is it or thirteen? Uh, ten one through you. thirteen is the part we really this is a great part to read okay let's see if we can get through that all right (laughs)
Okay, we're going to start with chapter 10, 1 through 13. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered to, uh, at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Behold, uh, I say, blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almagwood and precious stones. And the king made of the almagwood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almagwood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what he was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her land with her servants. Well, yeah, we'll just say a few things about this before we end. But I do love this piece, and uh, it's really showing to us what it means for how much Yahweh, the name of Yahweh, the word of Yahweh, the idea of Yahweh and his kingdom have gone out into the world. But interesting. This is exactly here, what God meant to happen from the very beginning. Yes, exactly. This is what he wanted. That they are a light to the world. world. And so when we see the queen of Sheba, Sheba in Hebrew literally means either oath or seven. I think it's kind of good to kind of see her as the queen of seven. In a very in that very symbolic sense not that that's really what it would mean to them is an actual place it was down at the base of the peninsula um, the arabian peninsula down right. at the what we would call the bottom of the arabian peninsula the very southern tip there but as the queen of seven she's kind of the queen of she represents everybody. everything yes because everybody would there come. obviously were other were other people people coming and doing the same thing that's right exactly so whenever it says in chapter 10 verse 1 now when the queen of sheba heard of the as it says in the esv heard of the fame of solomon concerning the name of the lord she mm-hmm. came to test him with hard questions well this is a little misleading because the word there isn't really fame they've 
they've taken it and translated it that way because it literally says when the queen of Sheba heard of the hearing of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord when they when she heard of the hearing of Solomon in other words oh hearing about him like his fame that's the way they've they've translated okay. it okay rather than hearing of his hearing well what does that mean well that he hears like nobody else has ever heard because because uh from Yahweh because we see at the end of verse one that's why she comes to test him with questions he was hearing she heard from that he could Lord. hear from his from his God like nobody else ever had and that's why he was able to answer questions so she like amasses the biggest most you know stunning and astounding questions that she can the things that you can't answer in the middle of the night and brings those to Loaded Solomon up her caravan says, with yeah all kinds of gifts goodies and, and gifts and that you would take to a king and I says mean, it does remind me out. of the uh, wise men mm-hmm. bringing their gifts and coming to see I mean, they heard. Yeah. God told them. Yeah. Hey, yo, this this king, it's a baby, but yes. he's going to be the he's wisest of all. To get into right. his presence. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And Take I, the best gifts. And I even think we should see that type of connection. I think you're right to make that uh, connection because I think it's here. Um, so she comes to Jerusalem with all this greatness and abundance. And when she comes to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. Says, I mean, in other words, she is laying about there. All she her, got her list all down. the things that she is, <laughs> yep, that she wants to know. And then verse three, and Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain. Well, this is very much, of course, a type of Christ. Solomon is is our Christ type here, as he is able to answer questions that nobody else can answer. You come into the presence of this King of the Kingdom of Peace, and you lay out your hardest things. And he's able to help you with them. He's able to give you clarity. He's able to give you wisdom mm-hmm. and, and things that you could never find before. So so we should truly see through Solomon and go, oh, this is ultimately what God wants to do in a greater and more incredible way with Jesus. And not just for kings and queens who can get into his presence, but for every single person who wants to bring their questions to him, the king's doors will be open and his wisdom will be available. So... I do love, love, love what's happening here. So when the queen of Sheba... And that's how people should feel when they come into the church, into Mm -hmm. our fellowship. This is how they should feel. We we should be able to give them such wisdom from God's, from the words of Jesus. Yes. They should be drawn to it because they've heard about the kingdom and they've heard the incredible wisdom that people have found here. And there's prompted them in their hearts they're like okay i'm going to go find out for myself and then they come to the king in the middle of his kingdom and say i want to know i have these questions can you help me with these and then he just starts laying out answers and yes this should be a type this is a giant wonderful beautiful type for us so just to end on this note i think today and then we'll continue with the queen of sheba next time when we get to verse four, when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, colon, that would be a good place to be a colon. And now he's going to tell us what all that wisdom is. He's going to name seven things that display for her the wisdom that the king has. The house that he built, number one, the food of his table is number two, the seating of his officials, number three, the attendance of his servants, number four, their clothing, number five, his cupbearers, number six, 
and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. That's number seven. There was no breath in her. She all was of, breathless when she saw it. All. Uh, her ruach is gone, as it were, uh, and and so she is just the the can't believe that this is how how great it is to be in his presence in this kingdom and to see his wisdom worked out in the people get it she's seeing a picture of the wisdom. now just hearing it she's heard already the answers to her questions now she looks around her and sees the way things are set up and can see wisdom in it. this is what it looks like for yes everybody's doing their part yes the servants that attend are happy about it they're dressed so wonderfully they're happy to do it i mean you know, you're, the way you're dressed throughout scripture has everything to do with your righteousness, in case you don't really. You're either in filthy rags or you're in the white robes given to you by Jesus. I mean, this is the, the picture of the way the servants are dressed. You look at I mean, and, and later on in this passage, she does say, happy are your men, happy are your servants. Yes, exactly. So she's seeing that they're filled with joy as they serve. Yes, exactly. That's right. Oh, it's the most beautiful picture of the, the church that we can have. So, um, We've gone over. Very much gone over. And we're going to leave it at this. So we'll start with Queen of Sheba next time. Yeah, we'll start with Queen of Sheba next time. Talk more about what this church, what she's seeing, how it represents the church. Beautiful, beautiful stuff here. And um, how she too is going to become a Yahweh follower. That's what it sounds like. So anyway, um, really glad you joined us. Thank you so much for listening to us. We love having you join us. So be back next time, just a few days. And we will talk to you then. God bless everyone.